What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Punts, Bunts, and Jams podcast. It is we're heading into week three of college football, and that's what's on our slate tonight. Is nothing but college football. We've got a lot to talk about. We can talk about last week and some of the games that happened. We can talk about the game that was last week, but we're going to jump in and preview week three as well and uh, just have a good time with it. And when I say we, I mean myself and also my co-host, Cody Kerr. So what's up, Cody? Clay Dodd. What's up, man? So we were completely right on that big game last week, huh? Oh, We we nailed the score. I talked so much trash about Texas and just (laughs) – I mean, honestly, people might get mad at me, but I don't feel like I feel like we got away with a win. I don't feel like we deserved that win as much. Um, that last drive was great. Yeah, the la- the last quarter was interesting. It, that <laughs> if you know if Alabama does that the whole game, it, it could have been a blowout. Uh, I I I just don't understand. I'll, we'll get into it later, and we'll dive deep into it before the Monroe game, but – and as you know, if, if you've listened to us, we're, we're going to predominantly talk about Alabama because we both went there and that's that's our team. That's just what we do. But, we, you know, we spread, spread the love and, and we'll talk about how good of a game Texas played and everything and how, how shocked we were that Quinn Ewers was that good. So, yeah. uh, you know, we'll get into that later. But other than that game – uh, I guess the the biggest team I was impressed with was Kentucky. I don't know how you couldn't be. Yeah, Kentucky went down, and I mean, had a pick six, almost had two, and mm-hmm. I mean that. But those pick sixes were not, or the the one they actually scored on. In my opinion, yes, it was a close game. Yes, that mattered obviously, but they played an all around great football game. It's not like one defensive touchdown is the reason is the only thing that went well for them. Like they played a good football game, so I felt like they were really impressive in the swamp against a team that is tough to stop and a team that was coming off a high of beating a top ten team week one. We and, talked uh, on the podcast that it's it's going to be hard for them coming off that win. It is, and I took Kentucky in my pick them at work, and but I, we do ours confidence based, and that was my number one. I, I was the least confident about that, but I, I was hoping Kentucky get it done. They did get it done, and um, and they move on. But I mean, Kentucky, like I said, I feel like Kentucky all around has got a solid team. They're not going to. I don't think they're going to come out and just you know stat it up and and do the but they'll crazy ugly, things. They'll ugly it up, and they're going to be in every game. Maybe other than the Georgia game, I feel like they're going to be competitive against Georgia. I mean, I feel like it's one of those teams where they're going to be really good at finding your weakness. They're going to play sixty minutes of football. So here's kind of my take on that. It it's kind of like for it, it's kind of like Alabama and Tennessee. I'm going to pick Alabama until Tennessee proves me wrong. I'm probably going to pick Georgia until Kentucky proves me wrong in that rivalry. It's sure. Charlotte. That's fair. Uh, uh, I mean, heck, I would love to go against Kentucky. Regardless, I know it's weird. Like, you wouldn't have to have the if, – if Alabama – there's a lot of improving to do. But if Alabama does want to make it to Georgia, it would be nice to have the, the fan advantage for once in that game instead of going to Georgia where it's 70-30. Yeah. Um, basically what I'm getting at as far as a selfish fan standpoint. Sure. So, speaking of uh, teams and, and upsets, one team you don't ever want to pay to come to your house is App State. We talk- never want to pay them. We literally talked about it. Yeah. we You, you just don't want to do it. They made their money. Uh, had some trouble heading back home. They they had a flat on the plane. Couldn't even take off from College Station. But eventually they made it back early Sunday morning to celebrate. And you can imagine the party that was going on in Boone, North Carolina, all night Saturday night. Yeah, it it was uh, you know it was like they won the war. I mean, I don't know if you saw the videos 
floating around, but there were people like jumping on other people's cars and the people driving just didn't seem to. Uh, I guess if you beat a overrated, that's what you do. That's what you do. Jimbo's in trouble too. I mean, this week they had, you know, we'll, we'll get into week three more, but they, I, I guess they're that, at home, right? Against I, Miami. I mean, they're at home, but historically, Texas A&M usually have their biggest wins in the SEC on the road. It's kind of strange. Like, even last year with Alabama, most of their big wins are always on the road. It's it's a very strange uh, dichotomy they have over there in Aguiland. Not that they're normal, because all those videos of Yale practice are some of the most cringeworthy moments I've ever watched. I am a long-time hater on any school – that has cheerleaders that are not female. I'm sorry, but that's just – it's weird to me. I don't care what your tradition is. I don't care how long it's been. This is 2022. It's an equal playing field. Do something better. And, you know, I well, – It would be one thing if they were, like, actually clever. But these these guys are just the most cringe people of all time. Like, I can't even finish watching those videos because I'm like – I don't know what they're going to say. I don't want to know what they're going to say. I'm just going to move on and be happy. And, you know, watching this one from the past week, that guy making fun of App State and just – I mean, it's kind of – it's the same thing as what Texas student body was doing before the game with us, uh, yelling obscenities about cousins and things, and I bet you all can figure out what they were saying. That – I mean, how many times we got to go there? I mean, is it really – is it, they haven't figured out that I mean it's not even funny anymore. Yeah, I mean it's not even funny. I mean it it's not like you know, it's not like it's nineteen oh two anymore. I mean my thing is I've we've always said it. We said it with when Matt Mitchell was on. Not many people from the south move north. And exactly. a lot of people from the north move to, to Alabama. And Austin is, is a little different than most I guess now they're SEC. Austin's a little different than most SEC places, but College Station isn't that much different than Tuscaloosa, I'll be honest with you. Well, I mean, I was I, I was really hoping and really praying that we did not lose to a liberal arts school. I, I just can't – I don't know if I could live with myself if we did that. So, glad we got through that one. Glad we got the win. It Finally, it took us, you know, 58 minutes and 45 seconds to wake up, but then when we did, we put together a drive. I, I mean, Bryce – you may have watched it different than I did. Really, until that until that last drive, he was just off. He just didn't seem like he was all there. I mean, he's throwing passes in places we didn't even have receivers. I, I really, honestly, I, I put it on the whole team. Uh, that was just a poor effort all around. It's pitiful. The line didn't block. Uh, the running backs didn't pass block. The receivers dropped at least four. Uh, Bryce was not all there, but at, at least he did show up in the end. And I, I'll and give, I will give him credit on that safety or what they wanted to be a safety. He, he play, heads up play of getting that ball away. Yeah, heads up play. But uh, the, but he just the, the penalties have got to stop. Um, we we also have been very fortunate in the last few years. In the last probably I say a few years, probably the last eight years of always having a wide receiver that we knew could break away. We at least have one guy that could break away from a DB and get open. And most years we have two or three. And right now I just don't know if we got one. Not right now. I hope Not, by, you know, the next week we have I hope this Saturday we find one. But right now we just don't have that. Well, and I, I think he's going to be back for Arkansas, and that's uh, Harrell from, from Louisville. Yeah. That, that transfer, I, I don't think Saban's going to play him against Monroe, and I don't think he's going to play him against Vanderbilt. And also, JoJo's not playing right now. So Yeah, JoJo's not playing. And honestly, JoJo hadn't impressed me since he's been on campus, but, you know, he does have a little more, you know, knowledge of the offense, and maybe this was going to be his breakout year. But at this point, I would just take the receivers that are on the field to catch the ball. Yeah, just be possession receivers and catch the ball and fall yeah, forward. Move the chains and also, 
can please get away from the pistol on fourth and inches? Yeah. Is that like a big? Is that I don't like a big thing? Why we 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 have every five star offensive lineman that has ever played football is on our team right now. Every every one of them. They're forty years old all the way down to whatever. We've got them right, and we can't get in out there. We don't have to have any skill position players out there. Just send offensive linemen, put them at fullback, and just run the freaking football. I mean, just it's fourth and an inch. Line up. Well, uh, I would say that you know, put Will Anderson out there at fullback, but he'd line up offside. So, well, put. That's what I'm saying. Put seven offensive linemen out there on the line and put another one in the backfield, two if you want to, and let Bryce hand it off to, you know, uh, Jameer Gibbs or um, any of them, anybody. I don't care who it is. Put Will Anderson Uh, running the ball. I don't care. Just line up, run down the throat. It's one thing I was about on fourth and inches. You have your third string running back in and Roy Doe Williams. Instead of Jameer Gibbs, I'm yeah. like, where, where's the best running back on the team at? Oh, he's yeah, he's over there, Water Boy. Like, what are we doing here? And uh, there were so many calls offensively that were just absolutely inexcusable. Uh, we, you know, we would just abandon the run for seven plays in a row, and you know, it's hard to pass when they literally know that's all we're gonna do. You know, we had the one run in the second quarter that was that was huge, obviously. But other than that, I think it was like twenty-two carries for seventy-five yards, something like that. So it was not a good day as far as efficiency. And if it wasn't, if you take out Bryce Young's yards rushing, then I mean, you know, the the good runs between three to five yards were few and far between. Beautiful all around. But anyways, so moving on, Nebraska. Nebraska had a little thing happening this weekend. They they let the fighting Clay Helton's come up there and beat them. They paid them quite a bit of money as well. And Nebraska ends up losing their head coach the next morning. So Sunday morning, he, Scott Frost is gone. Scott Frost is so bad that they didn't want to keep him until October 1st to save $8 million. They lost Frost – and they're hoping that turns into a, a good harvest, I guess you could say, of corn. So Yeah, you know. I was say that's a good one. I was going to say they're going to skip it out and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the problem with Nebraska. It's not the same so, Nebraska you had. There's so many problems with Nebraska. <laughs> well, but when everybody ran the triple option, you can – and I firmly believe that you can win a lot of games – with the triple option with less athletes. A lot of high school teams use the triple option to equal the playing field, right? You may not have the best athletes. You better not have the best offensive lineman, the best tight end, the best even running back. But if you run the triple option, you can gain yards. It's just a slow go. So that's how Nebraska did it for so many years. And then by winning, you pulled in some of those higher-ranked players like Scott Frost, like Turner Gill, different players who were highly rated, but seeing the winning side of it. And so you could build off of that. Well, then when they got away from it, you can't recruit to Nebraska. There's no high school football. The state of Kansas is the closest one to you with junior college players. So you have to dip where you can there. They don't seem to be doing that. Oma and Texas and Baylor and all those schools. You just – it's not what they need. And honestly, the money's the only reason they're there now, the only reason they made the move. But the Big Ten did not fit Nebraska on it and will not fit Nebraska. But they're never going to go away from it. The Big Ten would have to make them leave because the money is too good. But they can't compete there. The money is too good. The uh, prestige of the Big Ten is too good. I, I don't even think the SEC would take Nebraska. And if you told me that 15 years ago, I thought you were crazy. Yeah, I don't think that anybody would t- – the Big 12 would absolutely take Nebraska back. But they're not going to leave because the Big 12 don't have any money. Yeah, I mean, the the best thing you've got going now in the Big 12 is 
Baylor and possibly UCF as far as the the money goes. I mean, UCF has the biggest undergrad in the in the country, so you've got to think they've got a lot of money. Tennessee and Penn State was a really good ball game. I don't know if you got to watch it. it did finish in overtime. Tennessee gets the win, brings it back. That series, the last two years, the away team has come in and been down by ten, and yep. then immediately wake up and take over. Yeah, so the away thought- team again takes the win. Yep. Um, I really like their defensive line and offensive line. I think they do a great job of controlling the line of scrimmage. But honestly, it just comes down to the to Hooker made just a couple more plays, and uh, Heifel has got that thing moving in the right direction. And they they've got a big game, I believe, next week with Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Should be a lot of fun to watch too. I think that those two teams have got really good quarterbacks in it, and that's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good game to watch. Now this week Tennessee plays our our good buddy um, Joe Moorhead's Akron Zips, and they are if Hawaii didn't didn't exist, Akron would probably be the worst team in FBS right now. I'm saying a lot. I'm saying quite a bit. And now, will, will you please say uh, the team that Florida State beat for me? I just want to hear you say that word again. This past week? No, the the first week starts with a D. Oh, Duquesne. <laughs> Duquesne, that's it. <laughs> that's the that's what I'm going with the entire time. Duquesne. Well, uh, if you want to talk about quite possibly, and this is not hyperbole, the worst game I've ever heard of is this weekend. You can catch it on ESPN three if you want to. It's Duquesne or Duquesne, actually, is what it's called against Hawaii. If you want to watch. The absolute biggest pillow fight in the history of college football. That's going to be bad. That's just going to be really, really bad. Uh, moving back, one one game last week. Um, what about that Baylor and BYU game? I didn't stay up and watch it, but I did see the box score, and I did see the final score, of course. Seemed like it was a really good game. Oh, yeah. BYU, we've, we've said it many times, great, one of the best settings in all of college football. But they have one of the better home field advantages. It is just, it is so fun to watch a football game there. The the mountains, the their student section is one of the best too. I mean, that Mountain Dew really gets them hyped up. I mean, the student section and really the entire stadium is predominantly women. It's each player's got ten or twelve wives, so it just you know they bring the whole family. It's just one big family section. Season root for daddy. Sorry. Oh god! <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. Moving on. Anyways, moving on. So South Carolina heads to Arkansas, and Arkansas takes care of business. Higher scoring than I believe that that I thought that game was going to be. Yeah, I I definitely thought Arkansas was. I mean, I definitely thought Shane Beamer and South Carolina were going to put up a better effort defensively than that. And and maybe we've just been buying into the Shane Beamer hype a little too much because they're about to drop another game. Uh, if you yeah. don't know who they're playing, they're playing the number one team in the country. So they're yeah. playing the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, that should be a beat down right there. But Spencer Rattler did throw for like 376 against Arkansas. It was crazy. A lot of scoring in that game. Hope you had but, the over there, pal. That's right. And then we had an upset up in north of us, north of the Mason-Dixon line. Mm-hmm. South- Wisconsin. Oh, okay. We'll go with Wisconsin first, and then we'll go Notre Dame. Wisconsin gets outrushed at home by none other than Washington State. Football power, Washington State. How many times in the history of – any time in the history of football – would you think that Washington State outrushed Wisconsin? Never. <laughs> Not one time, sir. That's the answer. Not, Not one twice. single time. Except that day. Except for this past Saturday. Crazy. You know, actually, I know this is crazy to think. That's honestly more shocking than Marshall beating Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Because Notre Dame always seems to struggle with – with the smaller teams, like when they play a Navy or an Army or something like that, I feel like, you know, Notre Dame's always trying to come back at the end. Uh, but 
I mean, I when I saw that score, I was just as shocked at that, if not more, than the Marshall score. Yeah, totally agree. The Marshall scored. Now, this is something we oh, we're so bad we could have got him on here. But uh, oh, Coach Huff, that gummit, man. Yeah, just our God. schedules didn't line up. Coach Huff even committed to be on the PBJ, but just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Get our schedules to work out, and he goes. He takes a team and Marshall, and goes up to South Bend and shocks the number eight team in the country. And I think that's crazy that Coach Freeman is now the only coach in Notre Dame's history to go to go zero and three in his first three games. You just hate to see it. I you mean, just hate I to see cried it. And cried and cried. Not, I didn't cry. I was actually, <laughs> I was chanting real hard the whole time. I mean, yeah. I. Just, I love Coach Huff. He's just got a great spirit about him. He's he's obviously under the in the Saban coaching tree, uh, and like Clay was saying, we were so close to having him on the podcast. Uh, we got his uh, SID, and I, I talked with him for a while, and it, it just never worked out. And actually, that SID is now at, at Tulane, so you never know. Maybe we'll have. Have somebody, somebody from Tulane on their podcast one day. They they also have Tulane also has the best baseball logo of all time. Their baseball merch is fire. It's pretty good. Um, so good. Also, during that this past Saturday, Oklahoma goes in at the half, only up seven to three against Kent State. Now I will give them this: they come out in the second half, took care of business, and won that thing thirty three to three. But Oklahoma, and you can't tell me they were looking ahead to Nebraska. There's no way. No, because Kent State's probably better than Nebraska. By four. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know what they're doing there. There's an, another team in in West Georgia that's struggling pretty mightily right now. Struggling. And I mean, if you watch that game against San Jose State, which it's not even a state, you know, it's just a city. I don't know why they're. <laughs> Anyway, San Jose State, if they go for it on fourth down instead of punting, you, I don't know what happens. Yeah. I, for some reason, they just punted on fourth down, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You're going to give Auburn the game, and that's exactly what happened. Auburn got the ball, went down and scored, and they could have taken control of the game. I think it was like a fourth and seven, fourth and eight, uh, on the plus side of the 50, I believe, and they just punted the game away. Uh, you know, they played hard. You know, they got some good they got some good linebackers, some some really fast defensive ends that gave Auburn's offensive line some trouble. But um I just didn't know what they were doing. There there was a lot of decisions in the coaching realm that I didn't understand this this past Saturday. Maybe they were worried that the check wouldn't clear if they went for it on fourth down. I don't know. Okay. Hey, that that was a good one point four million dollar check they got. All right. You want to make sure that that hits the bank. You, you, really, wanna... <laughs> you really, really do. <laughs> so what else about week two that jumped off to you? Was it Louisville going down and beating UCF on Friday night? Because that kind of shocked me. That was definitely one of the Gus Malzahn games of the of old. You know, you, you start out doing really well. They came out firing. And then kind of like the Mississippi State game last year, they just – well, that was Harson, wasn't it? <laughs> Caught the all, all those Auburn coaches – are the same to me. They have big wins and then they have huge losses. But you no, know, Malzahn would do the same thing. He would beat Texas A&M and then he would lose to Mississippi State, or he would, you know, he would lose to LSU and then beat Alabama and Georgia. Uh, and I thought Malzahn was going to do an incredible job at UCF this year, but after the way Louisville looked at first, I mean, me and you talked about it. Louisville was one of my most disappointing teams or one of yours too. Uh, and then to go out there and beat UCF was just a shock to me, honestly. Oh, yeah, by far. So, it was it was a good week of football. Week three does have some pretty good games, and we'll get into those now. We'll go ahead and move over, and we'll go ahead and stay on Louisville. They play again on Friday night. This time they host Florida State. So, being at home against Florida State, you can go for a ticket as low as $27 right now. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, you can do that. Um, we have a, be, we have a lot of Louisville listeners that I'm sure will take tons us, of Louisville listeners, huge Louisville uh, PBJ guys and, and gals up there. I'm sure. 
Oh, easy. I mean, we're getting clicks up there, pal. We are tons getting- of tons of them. You know, in our uh, demographics, we've we've picked up Louisville and like East Asia. Yeah, it's it's I mean, wild. I mean, Papa John's. Hey, sponsor us. We'll take it. Exactly. I would gladly take a Papa John sponsor. Hey, speaking, I'm very hungry right now. Honestly. Speaking of sponsors, though, this is a great time to mention it. Look at I, that! How did that? We bridged it. I know you love bridges. I love it. Yes, I do love bridges. Any type doesn't matter what the type could be. Steel bridge could be a sponsor bridge. Either one, I love bridges. So let's go into that. Everybody, go out once again. I'm reminding you if you haven't yet. You're missing out. I played a ton of it this weekend using the Pick'em feature on the app. Go get Underdog Fantasy Sports. Use the code PBJ. And when you do that, you're going to get a match on your deposit. It helps out the podcast. Go try it out. I promise you, you're going to love it. You can play any fantasy sports game, including the Pick'em, for as low as a dollar. So go try it out. Have a good time on it. Give me some feedback. Let me know what you're playing. And just have fun. So, as far as moving into Saturday, because we don't have another week where we don't have Thursday night football. Now, last Thursday, I get it because the NFL is starting up. You want Everybody wants to, you know, watch that. College football don't, doesn't want to compete with them. But this week starts the NFL on Amazon. Or, excuse, yeah, Amazon Prime. You don't have a, you know, a network picking them up. You only have a one, you know, one game. It's week two in the NFL. I don't understand why we don't have a Thursday night football game. If I'm an AD looking around at one of these small schools, I'm going to try my best to get on TV any opportunity I can. And if it's going on a short week, but picking up an ESPN game and getting exposure to your team and your facilities, why not? Yep. I, I don't get it. But, um, Something Maction should do. Yeah, and go ahead and start playing. You Maction in October and November, you're playing on Tuesday and Wednesday. But in early September, you don't want to play just a Thursday night game? I, I don't understand. I don't understand either, Clay Dodd. There's, there's a lot I don't understand, though. You, know, if you we and could, me both. If we could just make decisions in this world, it'd be a lot easier on us. Like we talked about before the game, or before the game, before the podcast, you know, just keep the trains moving. That's all I need. That's all I'm yeah. worried about this week. Just yeah. Keep That's things funny. in the world moving. No strikes, please. I mean, <laughs> just go to your job. How will PB and J be delivered if we don't have rail cars moving down rails? People are asking. I don't know. <laughs> I need this answered and quickly because <laughs> I can't take another shortage, man. We, we've had shortages of everything that – we've had shortages on things I didn't know was short. Yeah, I didn't know that it – you know, I would just be like, hey, where's those free sun fruit plants? You know, my kids need those. They're like, oh, we hadn't had those in four weeks. I was like, well, that stinks because, you know, we, we need about five boxes right now. Yeah. But we can only get two boxes. I'm like, what what is this? Are we uh, 1920s? Like, we're – Use boxes now? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the past six months, we ran into a time where we had a shortage on baby formula. Of all things in this world, how do you have a shortage of baby formula? Kind of need that, pal. This is not a political podcast, but I need somebody in our government to step up and make sure that at no time in the future of our country do we ever have another situation where we don't have baby formula. How are we doing now? We're good now, and we're on milk, baby. We're we're on milk now. We're going through like four or five cases of milk a week, so, but we're on milk. So now, the the Dodd family alone is going to cause a milk shortage. We have thought about buying cows. <laughs> We've thought about. I'm knowing you. I'm pretty sure you're not kidding. Well, I bought a cow, but for meat, and you know to stock up on that, which is coming up pretty quick it's gonna be great hey no pun intended about the railroad earlier but we are getting off the rails pal that's okay though it's all right it's a nice little breakup that's why the people in louisville love us they really do they really do (laughs) you know what's next to louisville pretty Uh, close is youngstown ohio oh yeah 
Yeah, Leo Youngstown. Is that man? Is that, uh, Trestle. Trestle. That's all the Stoops brothers, including the one that's playing Youngstown State this weekend. Bo Pelini's from Youngstown. Mm-hmm. Youngstown, Ohio has put out some some folks. They have a great football tradition in college and on the high school level. Several coaches have come out of there. I think Car- uh, Kurt oh, Ferentz. I thought you were about to say Carrot Top. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Carrot Top. I don't know where he's from. I think he's from another world, honestly. <laughs> that guy's weird now, like real weird. He's always yeah, been not, weird. Not he's real weird. Normal, yeah. Not that he was normal before, but now he's like yeah. our garden of weird. Yeah, he's he's on a whole another weird spectrum level <laughs> at this moment. Yeah, but this weekend Youngstown State plays March Stoops and the Kentucky Wildcats, and that's just a little, you know, inside rivalry, I guess you could say, as far as the Stoops brothers. Him and Mike are both on that staff up there at Kentucky, and. Oh, pretty cool to see that. But uh, like you mentioned before, Georgia takes on South Carolina. It is at South Carolina. It's 11 o'clock kickoff early in the day. Georgia will probably snap everything. Lots of ACLs will be snapped this weekend when Georgia hits the field. My gosh, uh, that's so scary. (laughs) Well, it's just it's going to happen. Another game that's early in the day that's just going to be a blowout is probably – on the same level as the blowout that Michigan and UConn will have, and that is Oklahoma and Nebraska. So you don't see any way Nebraska rallies the troops, gets them on the wagons, and puts a decent product out there this week? No, I actually do. I think that a lot of times when you see something like this, when you lose a coach, you actually get a uh, a little bit of a surgence from the team. Especially a coach that I don't think anybody respected. Man, he just – I was watching part of that Georgia – uh, Southern game, though they're not just flipping through, just a play here, play there. Nothing, wasn't sitting down to watch or anything, but just flipping through because I like to bounce back and forth between games. And I, man, they just showed him on the sideline. He just was not having fun. Like you could just tell he would rather be anywhere but there. I think he knew. He did. He had to have known, and and he's probably known for the last year or so. And that's if you're in a job for that long, and and you know that any time around the corner it could go badly, well, then you're not going to be focused. You can't win like that. You have to be completely focused on what you're doing, and it's just human that you wouldn't be if you feel like any screw-up, you're going to get fired. As Kevin Malone says, it's human natural. It's human natural. (laughs) So, uh, this week, (laughs) you've got a few human natural. I like it. I love that. Uh, what jumps off the page to you, man? We've got a few different games that, you know, it's not a great week of football, but it could be Oregon and BYU could be a good game. Uh, Ole Miss goes to Georgia Tech. Of course, you got Penn State at Auburn. Uh, there's several things. I, I say that it's not a great week, and then I start looking at the schedule, and I'm like, well, actually, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I was thinking, obviously, that Penn State-Auburn game is probably the most interesting one. That or the A&M game. Uh, are the most interesting games on the schedule, really just because it's kind of put up for put up or shut up for uh, Texas A&M. Like, if, if you win the Miami game, I think everybody's fine, and they're like, okay, you know, we, and we lost to App State. Now we just beat Miami. About to go into SEC play on a high. Now we're fine. You know, everybody gets a – in the playoff era, everybody gets a pass. So – not saying that A&M is going to make the playoffs with a loss of App State, but I'm saying their goals are still in front of them. These next, this game doesn't have anything to do with the SEC, but it would be a huge confidence booster going into SEC play. And yeah. the Auburn game, to me, it's all about quarterback play for Auburn, all about offensive line play for Auburn, because that Penn State defense will get after you, and those corners will have at least two interceptions Saturday. And that's where I think the, the game is going to be determined in that secondary for Penn State. Hey, so uh, just a let, let down week, let down game for you. Mm-hmm. And you can get a ticket for $3 is UTSA at Texas. I'm telling you right now, I'm not saying UTSA is going to win this game. I'm just telling you that if there's ever been a letdown week, things are happening. It's going to be this week. UTSA is not a bad football team. 
they're they're not and they're going to have to they're going to go against card and we saw Alabama just lit him up. I mean, he was basically in a wheelchair by the time that fourth quarter ended. Yeah, so he's going to be super sore, super, you know, five, six shots a quarter zone. There were were 105,000 people there Saturday. It wouldn't shock me if there's 80,000 people there this Saturday. I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, This one jumps off the page. I know I keep spitting these out as far as, uh, like, weird – random numbers as far as the ticket price. Missouri State at Arkansas, lowest ticket is $79. Now, you may be asking yourself, why would that be? Cody, why would that be? Why would that be? I know why it be. I saw it earlier today. I can give you a little hint. Mm. There may be a neck brace that's needed after the game. That's right. Okay. Bobby Petrino. Right. I knew that. I saw that today. Yeah, he makes his triumphant return. Oh, Bobby Petrino. Petrinos <laughs> is up there. Oh, Petrie <laughs> is up there at Missouri State coming back to Arkansas. That's going to be a little – I mean, $79 a ticket. Obviously, there's some folks there that want to see it. There's there's some folks there that want to see him leaving a neck brace. I wonder if he'd be bringing any uh, – Clay, <laughs> sorry, any volleyball players to the game? <laughs> but we've already talked about the Mormon faith here on this podcast. <laughs> sorry, I had to. Uh, <laughs> if you wanted to go to Villanova and Army, you can. For no, nope, that's not the game. Southern Illinois at Northwestern. That's the game. That's two dollars a ticket. I think I could afford that one. Uh, Ole Miss going to Georgia Tech. What do you think about that game? As far as ticket price. <laughs> Ticket price, let's see right now, 39 Eight. bucks. How much? 39 You can go get a uh, combo at the varsity and then literally walk 150 yards to go to the game, all for about $43 total. Hey, I've made that walk from um, the varsity to Bobby Dodd. And it's a, it, Bobby Dodd's a fun little stadium, man. Anything named Dodd is awesome. I didn't even think about that, but you're correct, sir. Do you, do you get residuals from that or no? Not yet? I wish. That'd be cool. No, I don't get anything. They don't, I mean, even, they don't even recognize me over there. Because they're engineers. You're an engineer. Like, yeah, they're way cool. smarter than I am. I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, you are on a podcast named after a sandwich, so they're the dumb ones. That's <laughs> true. That's true. That's their problem. Yeah. I mean, how good are PB&J sandwiches? Have we talked about that on this podcast? Well, my son has eaten at least seven in the last seven days, so it must be pretty good around my house. I mean, I like like a good PB and J with the the coldest glass of two percent milk ever is just perfect. So, what kind of what jelly though? Because that's a big deal. Uh, I to me, it's more about the peanut butter. Well, I agree. I'm just saying you got to have strawberry jelly, in my opinion. Actually, strawberry jam is what I go. I really mess it up. I mean, I I've just I guess I'm just a. Uh, you use North- grape, and I use grape. Yeah. Oh man! I mean, yeah. I do like, I like most everything. You don't, you don't get to look like the way I do without liking just about everything that you can possibly eat. Do some Smucker's strawberry jam. What you call <laughs> Right with uh, I mean, do you get the Reese's peanut butter, or you go somewhere else? Um, I, there was a a time where I got the. The Peter Pan was like hunt, like roasted honey. Ooh, have you ever had that? I have, and that stuff is pretty nice. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I'm really I'm wanting to go get some from Walmart, but we probably have a shortage of it. So I'm sure I'm sure they can't get. And don't worry, they won't be able to get any if they're if they've made some more. We won't be able to get it anywhere because we're just going to shut down all the freaking trains, and we're just going to go with it there. So that yeah, seems like what the heck, man. Just go to work. I mean, seriously. Ugh, so bad. But anyways, Georgia Tech at home against Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss has struggled really. They looked good last week, but it's Central Arkansas, which they have played Central Arkansas every year for the last 28 years. And I would like to see how many dollars per point that Ole Miss pays Central Arkansas to come down there and get them whooped. Oh, it's got to be a lot. 
It has to be a lot. I think that was the only game that Coach O could win when he was at Ole Miss. Anyways, um, they go over to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's got some problems. We know that. But Ole Miss better get it going. They're ranked, but they better get it going. It's a little weird. Weird game. It's a weird about, game. Uh, they met in a bowl game a few years ago, and it was actually a really good game. I really, really like uh, Georgia Tech's throwback uniforms. I know I'm getting uh, kind of off topic here, but, man, they, when they were like Russell Athletic, dude, oh, my gosh, those things were fire. I love those classic, just got the big R right on the jersey. Love that stuff. Love yeah. those. Now, our buddy Jeff Collins, however, is on the hot seat. You, you may think tell- so? I think so. You, you may tell you who else is definitely on the hot seat. Who? It rhymes with Bill Round. Hmm. Neil Brown. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there, it should be in your contract. If you lose to Kansas, you're fired. Man, Kansas. I mean, it, like I sent somebody the other day, they heard Texas lost, and it's like they woke up and was like, is that us? Was that was supposed to be us? And they came out and played like gangbusters against uh, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. That's I, I'm telling you, though, me and you talked about that we coach did. up there last year. That coach is good, man. He come, He's a winner. Yeah, he won at Buffalo. He won, I think, every Division three national championship for tw- 10, 20 years straight at Wisconsin Whitewater. The See, guy just wins. You know, remember, I think I dogged a top ten list because somebody put him on there as like the ninth best coach. Yeah, uh, and maybe maybe I'm the idiot. Maybe <laughs> he is because he's already t- they're they're two and zero oh in in college football. Um. I mean, what what is happening? And they're only 2022, like, Cody, the year that Kansas and Vanderbilt open up two and zero. Yes, and then we we saw what our our Wake Forest Demon Deacons did to the lowly Commodores. You know what the worst call of all time is? Uh, you're you're truly taking the under when he found out that uh, Sam Hartman was going to be out indefinitely. I thought, man. Under seven and a half wins for Wake, that Sam Hartman is everything they've got. And then he came back to play week two. Pain. All all we know is pain, as uh, Jameis Winston says. It's not looking good for the home team. I can just tell you. <laughs> no, Wake Forest is Wake Forest is low key good. I need to just hedge it and just bet on them every single week, yeah. and just win my money back because. That was such a bad call. I mean, I immediately, as soon as Cole Kublik said, Sam Hartman's out indefinitely, I was on my way to work, and I was like, oh, i got to hurry up. I, I put that one in, and it's just not looking good. Not looking good at all. I got one for you. Mississippi State minus 5.5 on the road. At Baton Rouge. At Baton Rouge. I think this is a huge game for Brian Kelly. I feel like it is, too. I know it's so weird to say, but, I mean, we've seen crazier things happen in year one of, you know, of big jobs. I mean, if you lose to Mississippi State, that was pretty much one they were counting on for sure winning, you know? Uh, You don't get that one really about the only other game in the SEC you'll be favored in. Might be Auburn, but it's at Jordan Hare, so it might be a pick. So this might be, you know, one of the biggest games of the year for for Brian Kelly and LSU. Because believe me, it does not get any easier for LSU. It does not. And I mean Mississippi State, they there's something about Mississippi State that LSU just cannot stand. They can't stand to lose that game. Orgeron did it, he gets fired. Um it's it's just one of those things where they just hate it. That's just like that's the one. That's the straw is the Mississippi State. And now you're a home underdog. I bet that uh, is, is that's probably is that the first time they've ever been an underdog to Mississippi State at home. If it's not, it it 
I don't know. Did the year that Dak and Mississippi State went down there and Dak was pretty – I say Dak. Mississippi State was, you know, pretty highly ranked at that point. Did, were they favored then? I, I still think that people are shocked that Mississippi State won. Yeah. It yeah. has to be. That would be the only other year possible. It's interesting. It's really interesting. I don't know how they come up with that number because I don't think – I haven't seen Mississippi State do anything. I didn't watch them against Memphis first week. I definitely didn't stay up and watch them last week when they kicked off at 10 p.m. at Arizona. I mean, I know they got the win 39 to 10 or 17. It's – I don't know anything about them. I know Will Rogers is a heck of a quarterback, but I haven't seen him play this year. Their defense is is – in the upper echelon of the SEC. Uh, but just offensively, we don't know what they are because regardless of whatever record LSU has, they're always going to have the horses on defense. Always. At, at, always. Any, at any moment in time, LSU can, you know, just send the whole linebacking core – send a, a safety from the, the star position and just disrupt the whole game. I mean, they've got athletes all over the field. And I was listening to uh, Coach Leach talk today on the Feinbaum show about how regardless of what their record is, you turn on the tape and there's four- and five-star guys everywhere still. Yeah, they're still there. And, I mean, Mississippi State, though, has always got a good defensive line. You can always got good corners too. You can always, I mean, you can throw a rock in the state of Mississippi. You're going to hit a defensive lineman that could be a blue chip. Yep. It's just, that's the way it happens. It's kind of like Iowa and Wisconsin with offensive linemen. You're or going tight, to find them. You no know, tight ends. Or tight ends. You're going to find them. And it's like Pennsylvania with quarterbacks. I mean, it's just crazy. Just nuts. But all right. So what else jumps off to you about week three? What else jumps off to There's, me? That's we've covered almost all the really good games. Yeah, we there have. might be some small games that jump off. Like I said, the UTSA thing to look at at Texas. I really feel like that's going to be some of that Miami at Texas A and M's a game we hadn't really talked about. I think that man Miami. If this game was at Miami, it'd be a lot more of a spread than what it is. I mean, I really. They're counting on that crowd bouncing back big time and being behind this team. But that offense, dude, I watched that game last week. And that return for a touchdown, that kickoff return, was the best thing that Texas A&M did all day. I mean, they couldn't do anything. And they didn't have the ball to do anything. Did we not say on this podcast, if it comes down to scoring with App State, App State can put up some points. They can. It turned out to be a defensive struggle, but App State did just enough to get the win. And I'm just saying, Jimbo's in over his head as far as as offensive uh, play calling goes. He's got to relinquish that duty. It's just too hard to do both. I mean, that was part of, you know, uh, Kirby Smart's problem right when he got to Georgia. And that's why they struggled a little bit in that first year because he just wanted to call everything because that's what he was used to. Well, uh, part of the problem, though, with that is that the offensive coordinator, and his, his name is leaving my mind, A&M, he hadn't called plays in like five years. Yeah, five years. God, what's his name? So, I mean, if you give it to him, you also got to trust that he's going to be able to pick it up just as quick. You know, it'd be different if it was it was kind of the situation that Auburn was in when they had uh, Rhett Lashley, where he's a young guy, he's an up and coming coach, and your head coach finally gives over that play calling to the the you know the offensive coordinator, and they do things. In this situation, the offensive coordinator is literally his coaching duties are setting up uh, personnel are, you know, coming up with formations and your coach is the one that's actually calling the plays out of those formations. So, I, I mean, it's it's going to take a minute for him to get bit by readjusted to calling plays. And I know I heard on the radio this week that 
Jimbo was talking about, you know, if it goes the same way this weekend, he's going to be looking at doing that. He's going to be giving up play calling, et cetera. You should, you should do that for Miami before you get into SEC play. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I, I feel like the reason he's holding back on that is because of the fact that his offensive coordinator, it's been so long since he's called plays that he's probably looking at it as, man, we could, you know, we, we, we're going to be changing. If he gives over that play calling, it's not just calling a, a, a slant route versus a go. It is literally getting out of everything that you've coached to these players for the last few years, and you're going to change that in a matter of a few days. Everything that you've done and on your, your game planning and the way you um, approach a game in-game with personnel changes and group subs and and things like that, you're going to change every bit of that within about three practices. So there may be more to them needing a few weeks to transition than it is simply, hey, you call what you think we would run on this play. They just better hurry up and figure it out is all I got to say. Yeah, they, and that's what you get when you get to this situation. I will say this. When a big change like that happens – like a head coach taking over play calling or giving up play calling, that's usually not a good sign for that entire tenure. That doesn't – that's not just for this year. That's not – you know, that's kind of a – okay, Jimbo's called plays since he was at LSU with Nick Saban. He has called them every single year when he was at Florida State, while he's been at A&M. He does – this is going to be a change – that he's not going to give up pretty easily. And when you even suggest that you're willing to give up that, even with that big contract, you know what I'm saying? Like, it it could go bad. This could be the beginning of the end. And I'm not talking about Jimbo getting fired next week. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we've seen it with Gus Malzahn. Yep, that's we ex- went- the same thing. You know, Gus was better when he was calling the plays. But when he gave it up, it was too late to get it back. No, but remember, right. nobody knew who was calling plays. Nobody knew who to listen to. Exactly. Such a weird thing. And you're exactly right. Uh, and it, it's different for Lane Kiffin because Lane literally, I don't, I don't think he cares about what the defense does. Mm-mm. You know, he is just focusing on play calling. And where it gets confusing for a coach like Jimbo – I feel like he's very involved in everything. And I think Lane can do it because he only literally cares about what his offense is doing because he knows just enough about defenses, about like schematically what they're trying to do. So he avoids doing what they want him to do. But he is just so involved in everything. Like special teams, Jimbo will lay into a kicker, you know? Oh, yeah. I've never seen Lane get upset with anybody but the quarterback. Can you imagine taking over the play calling from Jimbo Fisher? Because I wouldn't. You know, I would do it because I'd be a millionaire, but sure, uh, but it would not be fun. Like every single play, he's going to second guess you. Yeah. I mean, it would be like being a defensive coordinator for Alabama, which is, uh, you know, that's another story. I don't, I don't think it's. I don't think Alabama's defense has been bad this year. As a matter of fact, they, other than the penalties, they, they saved Alabama's butt Saturday. Oh, I think they when they came out from halftime, you could you could see yeah. that they had made changes. They but on offense, you could not see changes. No, it was, and I've never heard Coach Saban say this before, but you know he was he was saying basically. You know the the play calling's got to be addressed in his his press conference, and he never he's one that doesn't throw people under the bus. But you know he he definitely was trying to say it without saying, "Hey, Bill O'Brien did not do great." He was saying, "We've got to address some things offensively." And well, what you what you see there is different coaches going in different styles. Some coaches are quick to throw their personnel under the bus because it's kind of a they, – they think that it, it uses it as a, a fire, you know, it, you know, probably threatening somebody's job will light a fire under them. We can move forward from there. 
But then you get somebody like Saban who traditionally has not like really, you can tell he doesn't like firing coaches. He may force them out. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like necessarily telling them to leave. He Man. just hints about it. Yep. And when yep, you dude. get something like that, you know, hey, we've got to do something about our play call, that that speaks volumes. Yeah, that's oh. that's not good. Uh, I've, I've never really heard him say a, a coach's name before. Uh, but, you know, when he addresses the, you know, basically the offensive coaching staff, we've got to do a better job. He's basically saying if we don't take deep shots down the field next week, and we don't start running the ball when we're supposed to and how we're supposed to, somebody's name somebody's head's gonna be on the chopping block. So before we go, Cody, mm-hmm. let's uh let's talk about this Nebraska job real quick. We mentioned it before that it's not the same Nebraska that you had in the nineties. I mean they fired here's some crazy things to me. At Nebraska, you fired Frank Solich, who was nine and three the year he got fired. He had a pretty decent coaching career at Nebraska. He goes on to Ohio and becomes their the best coach they've ever had before he retired. You then have Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini, who comes in and never had a season worse than nine wins. Out of seven years, he had nine wins four times and ten wins three times. Yeah, what? What a dumb thing to get rid of Bo Pelini when he literally had it rocking. And then you go to Mike Riley, who thankfully we actually avoided in Alabama. And mm-hmm. nothing against Mike Riley as far as a person. He seems like a really genuine person. I'm glad he's not coaching here. And that was a weird hire when Nebraska got him. But then we turn around and they go with Scott Frost, who they, you know, back to something about Big Ten schools and only being able to hire folks who went to school there. Um, I, I don't get it, but they're doing the same thing that Michigan did with, you know, just they can only hire coaches that went to school there, and that's all they want. That's all they care about. Yeah, didn't and Pat Gerald go to Northwestern? Oh, he was an All-American in the 90s at yeah. Northwestern. I mean uh, – Best player they've ever had. Yeah, you're right. It's – the the Big Ten loves them some Big Ten. Here's another stat for you. This is the I believe the first time ever that Auburn has played a Big Ten school at home during the regular season. Wow, that's pretty big. Uh, that's just a it's a weird weird stat. But anyways, back to Nebraska. Who do you think gets that job? Because I've seen some names thrown around, like the one we were just talking about. Bob, his name has been thrown around a lot. I think a Dan Mullen would be great out there. Dan may be able to do it. The one that I don't get is Matt Campbell. Why would you ever leave Iowa State, which is already tough, but you've got it built, to go to another tough school that's hard to recruit to? You just beat Iowa for the first time in his career. And you're going to go to Nebraska where it's just as hard to recruit and lose everything that you built. No, I do think Matt Campbell leaves Iowa State this year, though. That's my prediction. I feel like he has to. I feel like he should have two years ago. And you, you know where a good landing spot for him would be? Where? What if? Uh, what if Louisville mm. gets rid of their coach? Well, that would make sense because Matt Campbell coming from Toledo, is used to recruiting Ohio. And Louisville is might as well be – they're as close to Ohio as what Auburn is to Georgia. They're right there on the line. They're able to recruit everything on both sides of that state line. Now, what, what's your opinion? I mean, I feel like you can do a lot more at Louisville. Oh, man. Louisville has the backing. Like, okay, Oregon has a name brand in the sport. They have Nike. Right, they've got all this money. The amount of money that Papa John's feeds into that university again keeps their their athletic facilities and their field, their stadiums for all sports at a top notch is unreal. Yeah, it's, and, I mean that, it's that, up there. I'm not saying that they get rid of uh, Satterfield at. Uh, 
I think Satterfield has to go because as much as I like him as a coach, he's lost that team. And he's just he's got to go somewhere he can pick it up. Campbell to Louisville? Yeah, Campbell to Louisville is not a bad move. Here's another thing. I know they just hired the man. But if Coach Freeman goes like three and nine at Notre Dame, do you really think they're going to keep him? No, I don't. And but as far as Freeman, I don't know where he goes because I mean, I, I would take him on Alabama staff tomorrow because sure, he would but, be a heck of a recruiter. But he, to me, if he if he goes like three and nine, four and eight, Notre Dame is not going to keep that guy. I'm just telling you. And Matt Campbell would be kind of a weird culture fit for Notre Dame. But, man, he would have those guys ready to play. I do like that Louisville better than I do Notre Dame, though, if I was him. I think that's that fits his personality because it's a smaller school, smaller. I do, where I do hate how Matt Campbell wears his hat, but that's another yeah. thing. But, I mean, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying. Like he, I definitely know what you're saying. He, his personality fits there more. Yeah, he would not do well at Notre Dame as far as culturally, but Louisville, that is right up his alley, man. But I don't, I just don't know who Nebraska is going to get. I mean, who in their right mind takes that job? Be a cool hire for them, you yeah. know. Brings them out of, you know, Scott Frost was supposed to bring them out of the Stone Age, but really, I feel like he just put them back in the cave. Oh, definitely. He just, for whatever reason, he couldn't get it going. He could. He just couldn't get it. I mean, he just he couldn't. I had a, you know, back then I was still doing the my predictions on uh, the goal sixty, and uh, I had a guy, a Nebraska fan, just lied into me because I picked him to go four and eight his first year. They ended up going three and nine, and uh, did at you? The end of the, you well, had way more faith in them than. <laughs> yeah, and believe it or not. The guy actually came back and was like, "Hey, man, I was wrong." I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was, I just knew I was like, "I'm never going to see this guy again." You know, this person came on and commented, and I didn't argue with him. I just, I flat out, you know, I, I said, "I think he'll go four and eight. I, I projected the season, went through every single game, came back, they went three and nine, and like the day after they played Iowa for their rivalry game, um, he came on and commented, and he's like, "You were dead right, and I was dead wrong." Yeah, it was so. Uh, I just, you know, yeah, that was. I like talking about Nebraska, but we are not a Nebraska podcast, by the way. But no, it, that... is, it is fascinating who would take that job. And for some reason, Dan Mullen's name just keeps popping up because it's kind of like the Mississippi State with Dan Mullen. I think he would be a great eight, nine win coach there. Yeah. That's very possible. That's but, not a bad name for that uh, job. Dan Mullen's also got a ton of recruiting ties in Florida and Mississippi now, which, you know, if you get it like it, instead of going to a JUCO, if you get an offer from a Dan Mullen to Nebraska, you're going to go. Yeah. So, you know, that just takes out the junior college route for a lot of those kids if he gets a head coaching job. Oh, absolutely. Clay, 100%. Do you have any rapid fire for me? I don't, buddy. I didn't have time. I'm telling you, it's been a crazy week. I apologize, but no apologies needed, pal. There's been many a times where I wasn't even able to join. So there you go. So we we're gonna wrap it up, and you want to give program an update? How? Yeah. How so in the next two be. weeks, we're gonna skip. Uh, probably do this every two weeks for a little while, uh, just just to kind of. You know, it's the middle of the season now. We're getting into that, then the grind. And then as we get closer to the end of the season, we'll uh, get back to every week. But we're going to skip two weeks here. We'll be back, and we'll break down week three and four. And then we'll project week five and six the next time that you guys hear us. And we'll also – that'll be playoff baseball time. So It we'll, will. It will. We'll do our, you know, playoff thoughts. Um, I know – Clay Dodd might not care about it, but the President's Cup in golf is coming up, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, we, I can talk some live golf and see where that's going. You're starting to see some things with live golf. I saw where – I can't remember where he's from, but some college kid was skipping his senior year to go play live golf. I saw that uh, yeah. today. You're starting to see some of this. It's, they're dipping. 
yeah, they're starting to get like um, international superstars. Like they got uh, the the guy from from India, I believe, and he, you know, he's like one of their most famous athletes right now, and they got him to join. Uh, they uh, they they just got um, somebody from Mexico, I believe, that is just supposed to be one of the bigger stars in the game that was going to make a run in the PGA Tour. So that's kind of how they're taking it. And right now they're still in the, the business model of we don't care about making money. We just want to hurt the PGA Tour. So, I'll tell you, I'll mess with money, but there's something I won't mess with, though. Yeah, I'll mess with all the money in the world, but I will not mess with a horse. 